Hi, and welcome to Messy in the Middle. I'm your host, Jessica Lee. This is a podcast featuring real women's stories about their journey, the messy part, the trials and tribulations to get from recurrent miscarriage and infertility to baby. Join us as we talk, cry, laugh, and get unbelievably vulnerable to feel less alone in the gang that no one wants to be a part of. Hi, and welcome to Messy in the Middle, episode four. Now, I really love this episode. It is a little bit different from what we've heard before. Sasha does not yet have her rainbow baby, but the reason that this episode is so powerful is in the way that she has been able to articulate how she's been able to grow and evolve and heal from her traumas. I think that, I mean, if you're into self-development, you'll love this episode. Even if you're not, I still think it's really going to help. Uh, she's also a very spiritual person so she does um, she did draw on her spirituality in order to heal and I do need to apologize some of the audio is a little bit clunky but I don't think it detracts from Sasha's story and there's also a few points where I could have actually ended the recording but there were some gold nuggets there that I think you'll get a lot of value from so I will stop jabbering and I really hope you enjoy Hi, Sasha. Welcome to Messy in the Middle. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. Uh, Sasha and I know each other from way back in school days. So, yeah, this is very exciting to actually hear her story in full because I've only heard bits and pieces. If you want to start off by telling us your age, where you're from and who's in your family. All right, so I am 32 and I'm from the Gold Coast and I have a beautiful little girl called Poppy who is six. Awesome. And how did your trying to conceive journey start? Well, um, you know, I was thinking, I was reflecting back on this last night when I was writing out, you know, like my dot points about my journey because that is exactly what it has been, a journey. And I realised that I had the picture-perfect life. I was married, I had houses, we had beautiful friends and family, and we had our daughter. And then it just went downhill really fast. Um, Poppy was about two I think she was about two almost three when I fell pregnant and I think I was about 11 weeks and that's when I had my first miscarriage did you fall pregnant easily with Poppy I did it was actually an accident we weren't trying and naturally conceived with her um and I never thought I would be a statistic. I never thought in a million years I would ever have fertility issues or I would ever lose my child or my body would reject my child. And then, yeah, and then my journey started. And that's um, the first part of it was when I had my first miscarriage. And talk me through the feelings of that. It's really hard to explain, but I'll try my best to do it. Um, adding in a little bit of the spiritual component. So Mm. um, about 10 weeks, I actually had a very vivid dream that I lost the baby. And I remember waking up one day and I was like, that's such a weird dream. Like, and I told my husband at the time and, you know, we just went about our day and the day of, well, the day before I started to have a little bit of bleeding but I didn't think too much of it because I naturally was bleeding with Poppy in the first trimester, something to do with the blood with me and my ex. Uh, I don't know. It was, yeah. Um, and I didn't think too much of it. And then and the bleeding started to get a bit heavier. And that's when I called 13 Health. Mm-hmm. And they just, you know, went talked to me through, you know, what are your symptoms? We can't really do much for you. Um, You don't need to go to the hospital yet because you're still in early stages. And I didn't really think much of it. I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll just go to bed. 
I was awoken that morning from another dream. And that dream, I remember, I was bleeding and I was, it was quite vivid. And they said, I'm not meant to have this baby and your baby's gone. And I remember in the dream though, that I felt such peace. I was like, okay. And I felt so much peace. And then I woke up and it was wet in my bed and I got up and there was blood everywhere. And then my human self, you know, kicks in and I'm like panicking. I'm like, oh my God, I'm losing my baby. Mm. Um, and that's when things went really downhill quite fast. So, yeah. So you're 11 weeks when you miscarried. Had you had any scans or anything at this point? Yeah, so we had a scan. When did I have my scan? We had this scan at, I think it was eight weeks. I think it was eight. I can't remember, but I remember we had a scan because, um, I don't know, I think they just said, oh, he had the eight-week scan or whatever it was. And Yeah, I think it's a pretty standard thing now that they do. Yeah, and there was no issues. Everything was fine. Was there a heartbeat? There must have yeah. been. Yeah. Yeah, like there was no issues yeah and then um I went to the hospital so my uh husband at the time was looking after my daughter and he was taking her to daycare and um I took myself to the hospital and you know he's that feeling where you're lying on that bed and they put the ultrasound on you and they're like there's nothing in your uterus but we're going to take some bloods to just see where your levels are at you know and it's just that moment where you're like you just know, you know, yeah. there's no point in waiting around. So I discharged myself because I'm like, I'm not going to stay here to get bloods when there's no baby in the uterus. Um, it's going to, it might be a bit of a confronting question, but it's. No, no, go for it. At 11 weeks, you've woken up with blood all throughout your bed. Did you see anything at that point? Like, No, at yeah. that point, nothing. And yeah, so. Yeah, at that point, completely nothing. There was nothing there. So by the time I got home, which we were in Madhubar, so we went to Ravina, which is only about a 15-minute drive, if that. I started bleeding very heavily, as in to the point where I actually called 13 Health again and said, I'm going through a pad every 30 minutes, which is a lot of blood. And he said that I needed to go straight back to the hospital immediately. So I called my my ex and he came and I literally changed my pad. And by the time I got there and I got out of the car at the emergency department, I already had blood dripping down my legs. Mm. Um, so I walked back in and, you know, there's two stations. you got to go check in. And the time I, I checked in the first one, I just looked at, because it was a man, I looked at him, I said, I'm miscarrying. I was in here literally less than an hour ago and I have blood all the way down my legs right now. And the next minute they wheeled me in in a wheelchair and um, I was passing clots like this size. Like mm -hmm. they were huge clots. I had no idea my body could pass such clots and it yeah. was just a buildup of um hematomas like there was so much blood that yeah um and then they said to me that they have to do an internal examination so they literally just covered the curtains and um I lied there and they literally there was two nurses and they literally went inside of me and they they, because what was happening was the, the baby was stuck um, and that's why I wasn't able to like it wasn't coming out and that's why my body started producing these big clots because there was a blockage yeah so they had to go in and find the baby and take the baby out oh. I know <laughs> I, I just remember lying there and they had like a urine bottle and I was closing my eyes and then to this day, I still don't know what it was, Yeah. but I heard a clink of something dropping in the urine bottle and I just couldn't help but think that that was a part of my baby that they were going to send away to go and get tests or whatever. And then they thought that, you know, once they took 
the remains of my baby out that, you know, I'd stop bleeding and I could go home. So yeah. they transferred me to the day unit. And by this time it was around 11 o'clock and I was still bleeding, but I had to go to the toilet every 30 minutes to check. Yeah. And um, I actually had a seizure on the wheelchair. Oh, really? Yeah, I had a seizure. I completely just blacked out. And um, I woke up and I had all of these doctors. They called a code. And it was because I just, I'd lost so much blood and I hadn't yeah. hydrated myself and I was going into shock. And yeah, it was quite a physical trauma as well as a mental trauma that I was dealing with at the same time and I wish I could say it stopped from there but it didn't and that's what I think a lot of people don't actually understand is a miscarriage isn't just textbook like you can have a miscarriage and stop bleeding and go about your your journey or you can have a very complex miscarriage where even though the baby's passed four weeks later I was still bleeding so mm. four weeks later I, I had to go back in get another internal and then have to have surgery, which is a DNC, which, you know, um, unfortunately is a common mm. procedure that us women have to go through to the lining and all that. Yeah, and that's that's when um, my journey of uh, depression and suppression kicked in. Quite understandably, I think I've honestly never heard a a miscarriage story like that like as if it's not traumatizing enough it's just yeah. oh left me speechless and I'm sorry yeah, that you was, went through that like that's horrible yeah it was unbelievable yeah it was <laughs> again like I never thought that would be me I never thought that I would ever struggle you know especially because I I birthed a child you know yeah. and and then a couple oh, I can't remember how long I think it was about Three months later, I fell pregnant again. Okay. And I was so excited, but I was also so fearful. But I was like, no, this time it'll work. Like, I was so happy. We actually took a family holiday over to Bali. And um, we told my in-laws why we were over there. And by that time, this one was a really early one. Five, six weeks, you know, but the pregnancy test, you just... Your intuition kicks in. You just know. Yeah. And um, it was Mother's Day. Again, I had another dream, whatever. I woke up and then the same, the same colour blood, um, the same, like, obviously it was less because I was so early. Yeah, the same colour, the same symptoms. And there was nothing I could do but bleed bleed my child away you know what I mean just and yeah. unfortunately at that time you know being over overseas I couldn't really do much and my family had gone for a day trip and I was left alone with my daughter to look after her on Mother's Day and yeah I couldn't go anywhere because I needed a toilet and yeah that just triggered the first one and from then on, I went, in, I spiraled. I went into a very deep depression. I didn't even know who I was by the end of it. How were you being supported by your husband or were you just feeling very alone? I was very much alone in it. I think looking back now, he didn't have the tools to help me. He was probably taught to suppress and not talk about it and move on with life. Yeah. So there was a disconnection between us because I didn't have my best friend to talk to. You know, it was more like you've got to get over it and move on where I was in pain and I needed, I needed him and he couldn't be there for me. And for that, unfortunately, with depression, I started resenting him. Yeah. And that's the start of our marriage breakup. But you know, looking back now with more knowledge and wisdom, that was his coping mechanism. Yeah. He coped with his own feelings in a different way. Just unfortunately at the time we, we couldn't come together. We had no idea how to support each other. 
I can completely relate to that. I had the same issues with Drew going through it. Like I, I think the hormones that oh. are surging through you, even through a miscarriage, it just, it does, it sends you spiraling. And I know that so many times I've just felt completely out of control. It's almost like an out of body experience where I can see what I'm doing and how I'm acting, but I can't do anything to stop it. And it's like, he's just there as my punching bag. And I'm sorry for that, but I don't know. I don't have any other mechanisms to deal with this. Yeah. Yeah. It is so um, strenuous on a relationship. And I think as well, you know, that stigma of um, keeping things quiet does not do anybody good. Not even for us females, you know, one in four females will have a miscarriage. Yeah. So why are we still being quiet around it? Why are we not opening up going, hey, me too, mm. um, and supporting each other with this? Um, and unfortunately, because I suppressed and I didn't do my inner work and I didn't heal from it, obviously, yeah, our marriage broke up um, and I went into a whole different dynamic where um, I don't really know if I should talk about this, but I ended up getting um, a tumour in my breast. Oh, and okay. it was quite a significant moment for me because um, it was on my feminine side. Yeah. Oh, sorry, my masculine side. And that was a wound that I hadn't dealt with, the masculine energy. You know, I was holding so much resentment towards my ex-husband. And when I found out the tumour, was actually a hormonal tumor. It was all from stress. It was all from the stress that I was holding and carrying that my body physically started to show me signs that I needed to do my inner work. Yeah. Otherwise, I was going to become not only soul sick, but physically sick. And that's a huge sign for so many people is stress is a killer. Stress will cause illness. So I did, I had to go through that journey and from when we separated, I think it was in the March to when I got the tumour or when I found out about it, maybe November, during that time, my ex-husband had moved on and he got his partner, who is his still current partner, pregnant. So you could only imagine <laughs> the anger so much anger I had come over me because I felt like such a failure as a wife, as a mum, as a woman, that I couldn't carry babies. My body was just rejecting it. Yeah. Where, um, yeah, I, it just, it was not a good time at all. Did you seek out help at this point? I think at this point I tried, but with the um unfortunately with our support systems that we have in place in Australia at the moment well it has been for a couple of years now there's a waiting list mm. and it's not that easy to get on a waiting list to seek professional help or you're out of pocket hundreds of dollars I think I went and saw one and I just never went back because I don't know. I, do, I don't think I wanted to. Yeah. I don't think I wanted to face all the pain because I knew by ripping that Band-Aid, I knew that I would have an influx of just sadness and emotions come out that being a single mum, I had to keep my shit together and get through my days. But um, there's been so many amazing lessons and growth out of this if you can detach from the emotions and the pains and the wounds and see things from different perspectives and that one yeah that was a really hard blow that it took me a really long time to get over that my husband well my ex-husband got another woman pregnant and it was so easy for them and my whole world had just crashed because I lost two babies and I spiraled and I went into deep depression that I lost who I was, completely lost who I was. I faced darkness 
beyond belief and I was struggling to just find my light and just slowly get out. How did you do that? Finding my light? Yeah. It was speaking to, sorry, were you speaking to friends or anything or? I kept a lot to myself. Yeah. Um, I think my spiritual work really helped me. Um, But I remember sitting on my floor and, and, you know, this is probably could come across really hard to a lot of people, but I remember sitting on my bathroom floor one night and my daughter has just gone to a new family. I was alone. I was broke. I was depressed. And I was like, I think tonight's the night. Tonight sounds like a good night to just detach from this world. But in that moment, my daughter just came to my face. She's the reason why I found my light. She is my everything. And although that was also a realisation that I was holding so much pain that I had to face it I had to work on it I had to heal it if I didn't it was going to kill me and that's what I did I just slowly started I slowly started to get deeper into my meditation my breath work I started to understand that on a spiritual level I had chosen as hard as this sounds I had chosen these lessons for whatever reason to go through, to learn, and then to grow. Now, at the time, it's not easy to get to that mindset, not at all. And trust me, on my third journey, I was not in a place of, I want to take this spiritual stuff on. I was in a place of pure anger at that time. So that was two years ago. I was in a relationship and we had had unprotected sex, but, you know, I was proactive I got the morning after pill okay. to protect myself. Yeah. Again, not a lot of women know this because I didn't. The morning after pill can actually bring on ectopic pregnancies. Did not know that. Neither did I. Not until I looked at the pack one day and I read that in the warning signs. And um, I remember I was bleeding and I didn't understand why I still had my period. It was like a month. And I'm like, why do I still have my period? And my doctor was like, you need to do a pregnancy test. I'm like, I'm not pregnant. I took the morning after pill. I'm safe. And then it came back. And I don't know about you if you've had this feeling, but when you take that pregnancy test and you're waiting and you either go into two modes, you're like pure excitement or you're an utter fear mode. Your whole body is just tight and you are so scared of that result because you don't know what's going to happen. That that was me. And long behold, I was pregnant. And the first thing that came over me was, am I going to lose this baby? Yeah. Is it going to be another one? Yeah. And... You know, you go through the normal routes. Um, The thing that was really worrying my doctor was the fact that I was bleeding. So I went to the early pregnancy clinic at Rabina, I mean, Southport Hospital, and my levels were still raising. So I'm still pregnant. They're still going up and up. So I think I was there all day and they did like five blood tests and they did an ultrasound. Unfortunately, on the ultrasound, they couldn't see... They couldn't see anything. They couldn't see anything. My uterus was completely clear. Well, you would have been, well, how many weeks? I had no idea. Um, I would have been really early. So I would have been, again, uh, five, six weeks. So there wouldn't have been much to see. But I think what was worrying them was I was bleeding and my HG levels were continuing to rise Mm. um so they couldn't rule out a miscarriage because I was still pregnant and like growing kind of thing and then they checked my ovaries because usually the egg will if ectopic pregnancy it'll go usually in your your ovaries or your fallopian tube um 
and it was completely clear. They could not locate the egg at all. Yeah, right. Um, which made things really dangerous. So um, obviously I was having an ectopic pregnancy. It was obviously another failed pregnancy. Um, they wanted me to stay in overnight. So I didn't actually understand what an ectopic pregnancy was because I'd never gone through it. I didn't really know anyone that had experienced it either. But it's actually really dangerous. He said something like, if it ruptures, you have like five minutes to get to the hospital or you'll bleed to death. Wow. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> okay, discharge me anyway because I'm a single mom and I've got to go home to look after my daughter. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't have any help. I have to go home. And that's exactly what I did. I went home and I knew that I was going to be okay. And, you know, the next day I was booked in and I had to um, get, I can't remember what the drug name is called, but it's like a chemotherapy drug that they use to. Yes, I've heard of that. And it, it's quite lethal and it obviously kills off the egg. And by that time I was really angry because I was triggered again by being at the hospital crying in the bathrooms, another failed pregnancy, being told that I'm now high risk. So mm. if I ever have a pregnancy again, I'm, I'm deemed high risk. All of it, I just, it all just came over me again. And it's like that saying, you know, once you think that you've healed a wound, you'll be tested again. And then there's just that little bit extra that you have to do yeah. um, to keep going kind of thing. That's hard. Yeah. Like how much more do you have to go through? Yeah. And doing it like I essentially mostly alone. Yeah. Like the inner strength that so you've alone. had to find. Yeah. And that's so shit. And I'm sorry that you've had to go through that. Yeah, it's um it was so hard. And I look back now and I've done so much healing. I had to. I didn't have a choice anymore. I had to work on it because I was starting to become so sick and depressed. And I just, I kept having so much resentment towards my ex and his partner. And I didn't want that. I didn't want more toxic energy. And I had to make a choice. I either stay in this or I start forgiving myself and start loving myself and start letting all that go, you know, and it's still really hard. I have my daughter still to this day ask me, mommy, can you please have another baby? Mm. I really want another baby. Why can't you give me a, a sibling? And it's painful every single time, every single time, because I feel like I failed her as a mum. You know, my whole picture perfect story just went out the window I never would have thought I would be a single mum ever. And this is my story for now, for now. But, uh, yeah, that's why I wanted to talk about it because I don't want anyone to feel like they have to suffer in their darkness alone or hold on to all this pain or resentment because at the end of the day it's only hurting you. And I know in a way it's kind of like this self-sabotage that, you deserve this pain because you can't carry your child mm. or whatever comes up. But, yeah, you've got to let it go or it will just kill you. It takes such a strong sense of character and self-awareness to be able to pull yourself out of that dark place. And I can see how many people can't yes. and it does consume them. I don't think our current healthcare system and like psychologists counselors are equipped to deal with women going through pregnancy loss no not, not at all no i don't think there's the understanding the empathy even the aftercare either you know like i was told um by other women who had gone through their loss that you know from the hospitals that they were provided a bear after they had lost their baby and it just gave them that sense of comfort, you know. It's just yeah. it, the smallest things can provide the most biggest comfort in such a horrific tragedy. Yeah. 
not once was I ever offered anything like that. Not once did anyone ever give me a call up after. Not once did they ever look at my notes going, holy shit, this poor girl, this is her third time. She's a single mum. Let's let's call her. Let's put in psychologists, social workers, nothing. I was just out the door every single time. See you later. And that's when we have so many people out here spiraling in depression because there's not enough adequate adequate sorry support services to help people or they make it so difficult that we all just give up difficult and expensive so expensive yeah so expensive and that's why like even still to this day I never even got psychology support from any of my any of my stuff from my uh, marriage breakdown to any of my traumas, um, any of the the losses, because every psychologist, 150 bucks. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Or, yeah, we can get you in six months' time, jump on the waiting list. It's like, I'm sorry, but that time, I'm not going to be capable of seeing you by then. Mm. And that's probably why, you know, our, um, our suicide rates are so high. And I really feel like there needs to be so much more heightened awareness around this and supports, more supports. We need supports because everyone is fighting a battle. It's just who hides it and who shows it. And now, unfortunately, you know, and this is the beautiful thing about your podcast is, you know, you're having all these different women on who can share their own individual story because everyone's story is so different. But like me, I'm I'm on the other spectrum now where like I'm I have this phobia now of falling pregnant. And never in my whole life did I ever think that I would ever have a phobia of falling pregnant because I am petrified that I'm gonna have to go through another battle and this next battle I don't know if I'm going to be equipped enough and I know that I'm strong and I've done so much work but I just don't know if I'm going to be equipped enough to go through that again but then at the other scale there's nothing more that I want in the whole entire world than to have another baby like nothing more and I don't you know there's this stigma around it as well where you've got one baby you should be happy Mm-hmm. you know how I don't know how many times you've heard that but I've heard it so, so many yeah but, but at least you have one yeah at least you have at one least. oh yeah there is nothing more painful than that because and I don't want to disregard anyone who's who's longing to have their first or who's yeah. craving to have their first but for me who's had a child and that love that that emotion that comes over you that is undeniable to have that again is just unimaginable and that's what I think we crave is just to have another life because we know how much love that that gives us and life but it's it's fucking hard it is yeah personal question go for it Are you seeing anyone at the moment? Like, are you actively trying? No. No. No, so I'm not actively trying. And I think, you know, with my ectopic pregnancy, although I was in a relationship, um, it wasn't wasn't a relationship that was healthy to bring a child into the world. And I know that now. And I know on a spiritual level that that child was never meant to come. Because in that moment when I fell pregnant, the feeling that came over me was like, I can't have a child with him. And I hated that feeling because there was a good 24 hours where they didn't know if I was pregnant or I was miscarrying. So for 24 hours, I had to decide what was I going to do if I was pregnant. But no, at the moment, I'm not actively trying because welcome to, well, I'm in the wonderful world of dating, which is, <laughs> I just want to discuss for a second, which anyone yeah. who is single, after you come out of a marriage, holy shit, it is a whole nother world 
that is not positive. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard to date after marriage or in this age group. Mm. And then let alone finding men who want to have children. That's also another thing that us women have to face is there are a lot of guys out there who don't want to have children. Are you just swiping left on those ones? Like, nope, nope, yes. nope. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting, the dating world. But, yeah, it's a different different time that um, we're in at the moment um, with a lot of people. And I'm finding that men and women, there is a lot of us who are emotionally unavailable again because we haven't done the work Mm -hmm. so because we haven't explored those wounds and really healed from them and released it and surrendered whatever you go through a cycle you're both going through cycles men and women and that's why you know I'm strongly emphasizing today that it is so vital that you do your inner work that you do heal you do face those traumas because you're only hurting yourself at the end of the day, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, all of it. So when you say do the work for someone or for a lot of people, they probably don't understand like what that entails. Like where would you even start? Look, we've already discussed about counselling and psychology and how, you know, some people can go to them. And I highly recommend if you've got somebody, please seek help, you know, if it's not easily accessible, which for me it wasn't, so therefore I had to find other avenues to do my work and heal. And that's when I I dived more into meditation. Breathwork is amazing release, but it's strongly, it's very powerful that I do recommend that it is done under a professional. There's a lot of um, breathwork classes that people can take. And one of my most favorite ones is so easy and so simple journaling just journaling getting all of your thoughts your feelings out on paper and then you can either keep it in your book or you can burn it Mm -hmm. and that's just part of that letting it go and releasing yeah um checking in with yourself self-care is really important so really making sure that you're not so a lot of people as well they they can suppress by drinking partying smoking eating um and then you also have people who avoid it and they're always busy and they can't just sit down and relax because as soon as they sit down and relax all the thoughts come and then all the emotions come so then they've got to get back up again and they've got to keep themselves busy and going so they don't feel it um so I highly recommend as well sitting with your emotions when they come up let them out, cry. I can't tell you how many times I've just screamed with pain into my pillow, in the bed, just letting it out because it's also releasing. It's it's part of the healing process. Mm. Um, and, yeah, spending time on your own, getting to know yourself again, connecting back. Yeah, and it's not just so much about, like, um fertility issues or miscarriages but this is it's more of a general um message for anyone who is suffering with pain that you don't have to keep living a life like this you do have a choice to to heal and find your happiness and one thing that I learned recently on my trip to Bali I had this amazing teacher over there and it was just a simple phrase he said that just really stuck with me and it was always come from love Mm. whatever you do always come from love because that way you're being pure you're being authentic and (sighs) love is one of the highest frequencies that you can you can be in and if you can give yourself love then you can give others love and then that little bit of love that you've given to somebody else has a domino effect and hopefully, you know, like, for example, me speaking out today, that's just given one person a little bit of hope or a little bit of encouragement to be like, no, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to allow myself to feel like this anymore. I'm going to change my behavioral patterns. I'm going to work on my stuff. I'm going to let it go because I love myself. I forgive myself. And on a different level, I know that this was a beautiful lesson to allow me to have growth and hopefully also give other people the encouragement to keep believing. And I've had people around me, you know, say, Sash, you're getting older. Maybe you're not meant to have any more. And I can't tell you how many times people have said that. And every single time it is like a knife to my heart because I don't ever want to give up. I don't ever want to stop hoping or believing that I won't ever be able to carry my child or have another earth child. Yeah, that's a really hard thing to hear. And I don't know, people just feel like they've got the right to say that shit as well. It's like that's that's your decision and purely your decision alone. Even if you decided in a couple of years' time that, hey, you might want to explore the avenue of just getting a sperm donor. Yeah. And doing it on your own. Yeah. There's so many women out there that do that these days. There's so no many. reason why you couldn't. A hundred percent. And that's like, you know, that's another reality is like, well, yeah, I, I am. So, you know, I'm at the point now of I've already given myself a time. Like if by 35 I haven't found a partner and I'm in a beautiful relationship and I haven't been able to conceive, I'm maybe I do need to look at a sperm donor or maybe I need to look at adoption or even freezing my eggs. Mm. You know, I was going to ask you that. Yeah, like uh, we, us, as us women know who um, who are in tune with our, our womb and our uterus is we lose eggs as we get older. So your chances become slimmer. And, yeah, that reality has, has hit. But in saying that, that just triggered me to, um, not triggered, reminded me, sorry, about something that I've had to do which I'm just going to talk spiritually for a minute, but um, for it. the powerful element of womb healing, mm-hmm. especially after traumas. So what happens is when you've gone through a trauma and that can be sexual abuse, that can be um, uh, child loss, it can be um, childhood traumas, we hold all of our energies within our womb. And if that's not released and cleared away, that will create problems. So, you know, I've had to do a lot of work on my womb area to make it feel safe and cleared and cleansed. So next time I do fall pregnant, I'm not holding on to any stored trauma. Um, And that was another healing element that I had to implement on my journey was really um, clearing out my womb and and healing it. Is that something that you've obviously learned to do yourself? Yes. But did you yeah. get taught so, that from someone? Well, I so um, a couple of years ago, I started doing shamanic healing. So obviously a part of my job as well, being a psychic medium, I've gone to the modalities of healing. And along that journey, you know, you I, you learn how to clear energy, you learn how to go to past lives, you learn how to go to childhood and just really clear out things that are affecting you moving forward, behavioural patterns, toxic relationships, all that kind of stuff. Um, and also I was just guided to, you know, after my first one I was guided to just get crystals. I think at the time I had an opal, a rose quartz and a clear quartz. And I just placed them on my womb, like my my lower stomach area, and I just let them do the work with the intention of please clear and heal my womb. Um, and then obviously the more like involved I got and deeper into the healings, that's when I really started to um, see if there was any cords wrapped around my ovaries, if there was any debris left in my uterus. Um, another thing is that I teach a lot of women is, disconnecting from sexual partners especially after the relationship has ended so what happens is once you guys connect sexually you were taking on your partner's crap Mm. it is an exchange so 
all of his crap, all of his emotional shit, traumas, all of that, you are taking that into your womb, your, your sacred space. And if you don't clear that and get rid of it, it, it will like fester in there. So yeah, like I had to do a lot of clearing with all of that, especially after the three losses. And yeah, I feel that was one of the most important elements that I had on my healing journey was making sure that my womb was healthy and she was safe and secure. Is that something that you offer for other women? I do. I well, yes. It's something that I've kind of um, held back on just because, you know, you go into that fear mode of, am I good enough to do yes. this? But after going through so many, I know how to do it on myself. And, and the last couple of clients that I've had too, you know, we, we hold so much stuff in our, in our womb, so much stuff. And, yeah, I've just been clearing a lot for a lot of women with multiple different kinds of issues. I'm going to book in a session with you. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Yes. I, mean, I don't do I, um, There's different types of healing. Like I know there's women out there who specialize in like yoni mapping and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't do any of that. I literally will. Um, I've even got it right here. It's just a, an egg. Yeah. This is a powerful, it's just a, a egg rattle. It's a snake rattle. And this little bad boy shifts energy within the body. Yeah, okay. So you'll go along your body and it will make a different sound to where there is a blockage, a trauma, if you're holding on to energy in that area. And then it's just about clearing that. Um, yeah. But I, how I get my messages, I'll actually physically see. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, like I'll see an ovary and I'll see that there's something wrong with that ovary. Um, it happened actually at my new job. Oh, this is the downfall of being who I am sometimes is I get messages and they don't go away until mm -hmm. I share them. Yeah. And I had this beautiful um, lady who I was working with and straight away I said, there's something with your ovary, your right ovary, and it needs to be cleared. There's something there. I can't explain it. And um, it was just really at me. And um, she told me that she had severe endometriosis. Yeah. And um, the next day when we were on shift together, she came up to me and she said, you know how you were talking about my right ovary? And I was like, yeah, are you okay? And she goes, I am, but one of my sisters burst on my ovary, my right one. So um, I'll, just, I'll just know in the body where to go to. And there is a lot of ovaries that have wires wrapped around them from energy. Um, that's been there for a long time. Yeah. Um, but yes, <laughs> again, off topic. <laughs> no, it's it, but it's not though. And yeah. I honestly feel like it's something that a lot of women would be interested in at least trying. I think when you're on this journey, yeah. you're just searching well, for so many it. different answers and avenues of like, okay, what's going to help next? Even if it is just your mental yeah. state. Yeah. And sometimes you don't get those answers that you're wanting, especially from the medical professionals and they leave you with nothing mm -hmm. and you now have to go and face all of this on your own or like you starting to do your own journey, yeah. seeking out other specialists, seeking out whatever it is that you can to have understanding, to, um, to heal, to ensure that you do fall pregnant. One thing, have you read Spirit Babies? I haven't. I could imagine what it would be like, though. I read it uh, probably not long after my last miscarriage and it was painful because it goes through it goes through all different kind of scenarios about spirit babies and their journey and why they choose certain parents and why they may not. But it was going through reasons why your baby isn't ready for this world and um because you each go like into a, a soul contract with each other so the mum the dad and the baby and but the baby does have the ability to renege on that contract if they feel like the environment or the circumstances aren't right at that time and when I was going through my last loss like things within my relationship were really volatile at that stage. 
Mm. Like, yes, I was pregnant and that was a source of joy. And then we were having to work together through this miscarriage and loss that like came so unexpectedly. And then it was like how I was talking about earlier with the hormones going crazy and me like losing control of myself emotionally and not knowing how to handle that, that yeah, it nearly did break us. I guess there's a lot of blame. I was blaming myself a lot for that loss as well. And it's like, well, of course, no wonder this baby doesn't want to come here. Like we're no good. It wants yeah. two parents, not just one. So I don't know. It just adds that other element, that other dimension to the whole journey where it's it's not also medical and clinical. It's like, okay, there's this spiritual side of it as well that you do make soul contracts. And maybe part of your soul contract, Sash, was going through these losses. You had to experience this for a reason because it has led you onto this path. And same as it has with me. Like I would not be yeah. doing a podcast talking about loss and struggling to conceive and trying to bring women together so you don't feel alone if I hadn't been through it myself exactly and I just love everything that you said then because it's exactly what I believe in you know I am so like soul contracts I yes a hundred percent because it's not just between you and the baby. It's also you, the baby, and your partner. Mm. And there is a soul contract. And the soul contract, the baby, at any point in time, that child or that soul can choose not to come down. And that's a part of their contract. Yeah. Or the contract could be, I wanted to experience a loss. Mm. Or he wanted to experience it. Or even yet, we wanted to experience it so we could, our contract would be done and then we'd go on another journey. But mm. if we hadn't gone through that, we wouldn't have done, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. there's so many more elements to just the clinical, you can't carry a baby, you've just had a miscarriage. Yeah. And that's just how I think I choose to view it because it brings me peace, it brings mm. me comfort. And yeah, it just, it, it has helped me immensely on my journey to have that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I feel the same little side story since we're kind of on the topic that mum went and saw a psychic a few months ago. Yeah. And I'm actually going to go see him next week. But during her session, it came up about me having lost a baby. And he was saying that, like, that soul is still around and wants to come back for another try. So it's just they can do that. Maybe like back then it just wasn't the time and now they want to come back and try again, which is really yeah. cool. It is amazing. It's honestly, it's so amazing. And um, with the first one, because I held so much pain and grief there too, this is also another element that's really important that um, – you know, a part of the journey too is if you hold on to so much pain and grief over that little soul, that soul won't leave you. And I'm when you when you it's it's really I'm trying to explain this as much best I can, but mm. the souls are usually part of your soul family. So yes. you never they never really leave you. They're always with you. But yeah. with a mother loses her child, it's different. Now, this little child, I was actually told a few times because the pain was so intense and I couldn't let it go, that little soul didn't leave me. Mm. And that little soul wasn't able to continue carrying on their journey or, or their jobs, what they needed to do, because I had attached myself so heavily onto that. Yeah. Once I detached from that, I was able to step into a different element of my healing because I'd let that go. Um, it's, yeah, it's hard to articulate in my mind to words, but again, a lot of little souls can come back because the timing was right. And yeah. like you said, Jess, you know, if you hadn't have experienced that and, you know, it is painful that you did, you wouldn't have been able to help other women, you know, and that was a part of your journey is you came here for a deeper purpose to help other women and to spread awareness about it. But if yeah. you hadn't gone through that, then it, you would never have been able to do it. 
Yeah, and that's the thing with how this has all evolved is that I've never felt so sure about doing anything in my life. Like I am the last person that I ever would have thought would release a podcast of all things. Like I'm more the kind that stays behind the screen and I'm like I'm a good writer. Like I should be writing a book. Not why yeah, on a podcast. Yeah. Maybe I will. <laughs> but that's what I always kind of envisioned myself doing, not getting onto this platform and speaking and, you know, generally speaking to complete strangers who we start our conversations and there's no awkwardness. It just flows so naturally because, unfortunately, we do have this common thing that connects us. Yeah. But that's also beautiful as well. It is. Yeah, it is. And it's a painful journey, but it can also be a very beautiful journey. Yeah. And especially when you meet other women as well who have gone through something like this because you don't want to be alone in the darkness. You know, yeah. and I also can we also just speak about too like the PTSD that we get when we have oh, periods. Yeah. yeah. Like, I didn't realise that was a thing. Even now, when I have a period, and I'm sorry, TMI. No. For any There's guys no who- such thing. <laughs> I'm not sure that there are going to be any guys listening to this. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> if you look in the toilet and you see that blood in there, I'm sorry, but, like, that PTSD that comes over you, after you've had, like, a miscarriage or multiple, however many, even years later, even if you see the tiniest little bit of a, a blood clot, like it yeah. just sends you into like, holy shit. Yeah, it's really triggering. It is so triggering. But, oh, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, yeah, just even reflecting back over last night, you know, I had that little bit of anxiety and, oh, my God, I, I'm going to have to speak about all of this again and and what if this brings up all this stuff? And, you know, it's what happens too is when you when your body has gone through a... A, a trauma it's the the trauma you experience is the um, emotions that you hold in your body so when you are triggered again by that trauma or whatever else you're releasing those same emotions I don't know does that make sense like yeah so like even last night I, I was releasing those panicking feelings of oh my god I have to face this trauma again and my whole body was in this um this freeze mode but again, that's a beautiful quote. Like that's a beautiful um, message for me. Of it's okay, it's okay to feel this. It's okay, you're safe, and it's just a part of your journey. But I don't think the pain will ever go away. It's just you have the tools and the knowledge to to implement to best help you and be able to live with it essentially, and be able to live with it, and you end up getting through that day. And then you end up getting through multiple days and in a way you become, I'm not going to say resilient, but you become stronger and more powerful in yourself. You did really well. (laughs) Thank you. I was like sweating that whole time. I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) so much. No, you did. You did really well. And you held it together really well because when I did my first recording of my episode, and I'm actually really disappointed that I had to re-record it because there was so much raw emotion there. Like even retelling the story of my first miscarriage, which I felt like, I mean, it was what over three years ago now, I thought I dealt with it and just talking about it again and there was so much trauma associated with going to the toilet and knowing when I'd passed my baby. And I was like, oh, and I started crying and I was like, oh, shit, okay, maybe there's still things there that I I haven't dealt with and do still need to heal, especially I think because I went straight on to having a successful pregnancy that you, you don't deal with that trauma. It's kind of forgotten because you're swept up in the new journey. Yeah, and then you get hit with it again. Yeah. But, yeah, like you said, I don't think it's something that ever leaves you. No, but I think, too, we are constantly reminded of the work that we need to do Mm. and we will keep getting lessons or experiences that will show us the work that we need to do. And whether that's 
with the pregnancies or whether that's even with your partner. Mm. You know, they, they trigger you, you trigger them. So it's like, okay, let's not blame each other, but let's actually go deeper within us as to why did he just trigger me then? Yes. And let's actually rip that up and go yeah. right in because obviously yeah. in there is a wound there that we have just fested and suppressed, mm-hmm. um, which is beautiful if you have the right tools to do it. Where my last relationship, I was in complete freeze. He was in complete fight. So it was not a healthy dynamic to do that. Yeah. But obviously if you're in a safe relationship with your partner, there's beautiful, it's a, a beautiful growing experience to do that. Yes, definitely. And I don't know about you, but like even when you add a child into the dynamic while going through such a trauma and then having relationship issues, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I went through um, postnatal depression with Bane. Yeah. It was so bad. But I'm glad that I, I had enough wits about me that I knew I had to reach out to someone for help because I was in a very, very dark place and I didn't feel connected to anyone. I didn't feel connected to my partner. I I guess I did to Bane, but he wasn't what I needed. He wasn't that emotional support that I needed at that time. Yeah. But, yeah, you're constantly tested in life and even when you get the thing that you want, which was the baby. Oh, to be human. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Right, love it. <laughs> and I think just like having the self-awareness about, okay, this is a lesson, it's a blessing and a curse, I reckon. Sometimes I just want to be so naively unaware, but then it's like you don't get to experience the fullness of life either. It's like, And then too, like I find as well, I went through the whole, like that too, where I actually went through the, um, I detached. I detached um, from myself and yeah. my emotions. Because, yeah, I, I didn't want to feel anymore. Yeah. I didn't want to be enlightened. Yeah. I thought, fuck, fuck this world, <laughs> fuck this shit. I don't want to do this shit. Yeah. So I detached. However, detaching from yourself is not a good thing. It's no. not a good thing. I think it would just lead to more pain in the More room. pain. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just you lose yourself as a soul and... Yeah, I, and I think too, like my biggest thing is I am fucking not coming back to this world next life and going through the same shit. Like I'm going to learn my lessons in this lifetime. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. And that's, I think that's why too is like having that awareness. I know that these are lessons mm. and I am strong and I will get through it. And I think one of my favorite things to do as well is what has helped me with jobs, uh, friendships, relationships, materialistic stuff too, is in a way detach from all of that as long as you are connected to yourself. So if you are connected to yourself and you're grounded and you are pure love and light or whatever, but you're also invoke the shadow self which is a part of us you know that darkness is very important you know it is a part of who we are but you detach from how can I explain it's like people money things like that you become pure in a way that nothing really bothers you because you you're holding yourself you've got yourself so like for example like I'll attack I'll detach from um the idea of picture perfect life yes I'll detach from that because I know that that's only hurting me where right now I have the perfect life. I'm living a beautiful life and it is perfect just the way it is right now. And really trying trying to change that mindset. I don't know. There's a whole lot of shit I just spoke then. But (laughs) But I think it's letting go of the ideals and the expectations of what life should be and having more acceptance of how life is and it's it's comes back to living in the present moment and being grateful and yeah just being present yeah yeah Yeah. and it's so simple and not every day is going to be like that but it is so simple yeah to let go of those expectations I'm so sick of people saying oh you should be married um you know putting this pressure on me of having to find a man 
having mm. to fall pregnant, having to um, be married or having even having a perfect job. Um, and I think that's where we're going wrong in society or oh, perfect body, whatever it is. Yes. And that so much pressure is on us where if we provided a safe and secure environment, we wouldn't feel so bad about speaking up about our, our losses. This world is just going to be a work in progress, one podcast episode at a time. <laughs> yeah, literally, yes. I love it. So where can people find you if they want to connect and find out more about your womb healing or any other kind of energy healing that they may need? So they can jump onto, I do have an Instagram page, but I'm only just trying to get myself out there on that one now mm-hmm. by just my Facebook page, which is Sasha Haley Intuitive Goddess. Okay. I'll put it in the show notes as well. Perfect. Thank you so much. So that's just all about really inspiring the divine feminine to really step into her own power mm-hmm. and also invoking that sexual energy too, which is such a healing tool so Mm, yeah love it I just wanted to add in at the end of this episode that since we've recorded this I have booked in a womb healing with Sasha and that is happening this Sunday and I'm really excited about it so if you're not already following the messy in the middle Instagram page make sure you jump on there because I will be sharing my experience on my stories I might do a post about it and yeah let's see how that goes Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Messy in the Middle. My main goal for creating this podcast is to ensure other women going through the struggles of infertility and baby loss don't feel alone along this very isolating journey. I want to be able to reach as many women as possible. And in order for me to do this, I would really appreciate if you could subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes and Spotify. Also, if you have any feedback or suggestions of what you'd like to hear, please get in contact with me through the Messy in the Middle Instagram page. Sending you so much love and strength on your journey to baby.